Yes, hello everybody and welcome back to the Wild Card Rewind. We are back today to talk some AFC South. we got a great guest with us today, Eric Romoff. He's going to talk some Texans and sprinkle a little, some little hints and tips for the other teams. So let's get the show going. I just want to rewind to when we were young You know what? Even if like some days, some Mondays, I'm like, you know, I'm pretty tired today. I got off a flight from from Paris at two in the morning last night. I'm pretty pretty tired, but that that intro music just just gets me in the feels every time. Like, like gets me like gets me pumped up. So we're back here with with Paul and and Eric. Eric, we'll we'll pitch it to you first. First time on the show. Great to have you on. Um, do you want to tell folks listening? You know, who are you? What are you about? What, what kind of work do you do? And, and where can they find you? Yeah. Um, I'm Eric. Hi. Uh, easiest way to find all my work is on my personal Twitter. I'm going to fail the test where I point at my sign. Fantasy Nav is where you can find all of that. Um, I create content for a variety of different platforms. Um, drrotor.com and footballdiehards.com is where you can find the majority of my football work. Uh, I also do some basketball over there and, We've got uh, Green Screens Media, which is covering niche sports. I'm a co-founder over there, predominantly more of a college basketball flavor, but we mix in some um, some World Cup last year and some international soccer, mix in some NASCAR. So trying to pay attention to the sports that maybe don't get quite as much coverage. Again, that's Green Screens Media. All of that just rolls up into my Twitter to make it nice and easy. Fantasy Nav. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So we're here. We're here just to to chat NFL and specifically the the AFC South as well. And uh, we've got Paul with us as well. Paul, how you doing, mate? I, I'm all right, mate. I'm uh, slightly impressed. I'm slightly impressed that you actually found a Texans fan. Yeah, we're that, that, was, that was that was <laughs> that was willing to come on a show and talk about what went well for the Texans last year. You know, so I'm, I'm impressed with that, Max. You've you've blown my mind. But but yeah, apart from that, mate, I'm doing really good. I'm doing really good. Yeah, I got my guy, my guy Eric. He reached, he reached out and he was like, "I hear, I hear you're in need of a, of a Texas fan." So he's here on his white horse to to save the day. And Eric, we're going to get right into into the Texans now. We're going to start with, I mean, maybe the shorter segment, like what went well, and then we're going to pitch in a bit, and then we're going to talk about, you know, what what's to come because there's, you know, there's there's a bright horizon for this Texas team as well for sure. So you want to start us off with, you know, in 2022, what went well for your Houston Texans? Yeah, you know, surprisingly enough, I think I think a number of things actually went maybe not well, but better than expected, right? Yeah. Um, you know, we we have to we have to keep the the context in mind that you know this is a bottom of the league franchise last year and has been for the last few years. We probably still have some runway before we're you know really in the mix, but you know, I, I think I think this team started to do some things that they can build around. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, jumping back two years now, but it's sort of a lesson we learned last year. We found a NFL caliber quarterback in the third round in Davis Mills, right? Obviously he's not a franchise guy, but there are first rounders that don't get anywhere near the runway and aren't as nearly as effective as Davis Mills has proved to be. So managed to fill in a roster spot. He's probably going to be a nice depth guy for us for years to come, but also, you know, some of our bigger picks, you know, you look at uh, Ross Blaylock from a few years ago, you look at Derek Stingley, you know, while Stingley didn't play a full season last year, 
really started to come on down the stretch run and really showed an ability to adapt to that NFL level a little bit faster than most rookies do. So really, really encouraged by that. Blaylock has come into his own. Damian Pierce is a uh, is a beloved uh, conversation starter in the fantasy <laughs> world. But in terms of real football, like yeah. we found a guy that can contribute for us in a position of need. And I think that we're probably going to let him continue to see a good amount of work, right? So ultimately, the overarching theme is while, you know, there are some guys that have some upside and, you know, potentially can be pro bow caliber or even all pro caliber in the years to come, this this roster and this organization was in such a, 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 a hole, such a horrible mess for so many years that just being able to check off the box next to a couple of positions and be able to focus your resources and efforts on the holes that remain that's a huge step forward for us. Yeah, absolutely agree. There is definitely, you know, some things still to work on. And one thing I actually wanted to ask you. So last game of the season, you guys go out and win it and lose the number one pick. What what kind of emotions do you go through there as like a fan? You're like, yeah, my team won. But I'm like, ah, at the same time, like what, what kind of emotions do you have with that? Uh, that was a, an absolute gut punch. Um, you know, I am I am beyond the point in my my years as a Texas Texans fan, right? Like Paul mentioned, it we're we're hard to come by. There's like five of us in the world, and we're all on the same group text. So like, we're beyond the point where like a meaningless win at the end of the season is anything to like hang your hat on or build momentum off of. Like we like we needed to acquire that first overall pick. Um, you know, for my money, I think we're going to end up with the the guy that I would take with the first overall pick, anyways. So it, it might not be all that big a deal in you know in in the grand scheme of things. But to not have the leverage of having the one hundred and one, right? Like we're in a spot where the player that we want is potentially the player that I want is potentially falling to one hundred and two, and we could have gotten a haul akin to what the Bears did if Double Agent Lovey Smith didn't turn in the win. So, I mean, like, part of me was was devastated and and just incredulous that this happened. Also, part of me that has been a Texans fan for longer than I would like to admit, sort of expects the Texans to Texan everything up, right? And, like, what is more Houston Texan than to have the first overall pick gift-wrapped and to give it away at the 11th hour? So, not terribly surprised, but it didn't take the sting out any any nonetheless. Yeah, absolutely. Paul, before we, we pitch it to you about uh, you know any comments for that, what what are you are you in the same like as a supporter of a team that might end up with the first overall pick next year, Paul? Would uh, do you do you believe like this? <laughs> do you would you have the same sort of like approach to that? You're like, I just rather get the first overall pick than win a game at the end of the year. Uh, mate, we were we were genuinely kind of talking about this before we came on here, weren't we about about the Cardinals yeah. and I, mate, I like. Next year, I'm quite happy to do absolutely terrible. And, you know, even if we walked away with one win on the season, if we could get that one overall pick. And, and you know, like the Bears, the Bears didn't need a QB. And the first overall pick in this draft is going to be a QB. So they held all the cards. They just basically went, look, whoever whoever wants to come and get a QB, come and get it. And and they got a, they got a haul for it, like, you know, so... Yeah, as a, as a Cardinals fan, it's like, yeah, I want that 101 next year because next year is an even better um, draft class for QBs, I believe, than this year, isn't it? Um, yeah. I'm not, I'm not too up to date with next year's class yet, but like, 
you know, if we can get that number one overall pick and and hold hold them cards, mate, I'm all for it. But I I'm going to agree with you, Eric. To be honest, mate, that I felt the gut punch coming your way when you went and won that game and, and lost it, and I was just there like. I know, I know you've obviously got your guy and you think he's going to fall to you, but you'd have preferred to have been at the one and get who you want. And, you know, oh man, I, I, I feel for you, bro. I feel for you. Yeah. But, but go like to, to go back to what you were saying about the Texans, and, and I don't know how you did it, mate, but you actually spoke really positively of the Texans. And, you, you know, you, you kind of, you kind of put, put it in, in a way that actually it was like, do you know what? That was probably a really good season for you. Yeah, you didn't you didn't win many games, you didn't do anything, but you found positions to fill. And you were like, right, we've got a plan now. We've got these that are filled. We can now work on this to to put together a really, really good team. And you know, speaking of Davis Mills, I I'm a fan of a team that took Josh Rosen. Uh, the 10th overall pick in a draft, you know, Josh Rosen told us he was going to win Super Bowls with us and everything, you know, and I think he's been on six different teams in the last like five years or something, you know, and it's like, so yeah, you you know, you've got Davis Mills, who is actually, a, you know, he's a really, really good QB and all three of us play fantasy and we all love him in fantasy and, and he yeah. did, he, he was a great, late round pick in fantasy and stuff like that. And and actually he's a really competent QB and he's going to be a great backup for, I, I'll let, I'll let you reveal who you want, you know, but he's going to be a great backup for, for that, that QB. And, and I think they'll work well together. And I think actually the Texans are, they're headed in the right direction as a rebuild team. I think you've, yeah, the, you've sold it for me. The thing that, that gives me optimism is, these are all guys that we largely acquired through the draft and acquired relatively late, right? So, like, it gives it gives me some hope that our our skill as a front office when it comes to talent evaluation is at least above league average, right? So now that we have these piles and piles of draft picks, as long as we can continue to exercise that skill, I, I like our chances at, at more of them being hits than not, so... I mean, when when you're a Texans fan, like you have to be world class at finding silver linings. But those are the ones <laughs> that I'm going to hang on. To. And you're definitely world class at that. You're definitely yeah. world class at that. <laughs> All right, Eric, we got you. Got to put it out of our misery, right? We're we're going to talk about next steps. You've been talking about my guy. My guy is a two of one. We're going to get my guy. Who's your guy? I mean, if I was if I was really gonna gonna go on a on a daydream and get exactly what I want. I'm actually closer to Paul's side of the argument. I want them to move that pick and get into 2024 because that class is loaded. And I think that we're a little bit further away from competing, but I don't think that's necessarily, I don't think that's likely to happen. I think we are going to go quarterback overall. If we're drafting quarterback, I want CJ Stroud in this class. And while it seemed like he was the consensus one for a while, sounds like David Tepper is kind of getting into the mix in Carolina and is a little bit more, in the Bryce Young camp. So I think we're going to have the Ooh. opportunity to to go out and select Stroud with the, the second overall pick. Yeah, I always thought that was weird that, you know, Bryce Young was the nailed on, like locked in number one quarterback coming off the board. And then Carolina traded up and all of a sudden Bryce Young isn't the locked on, nailed in number one quarterback on the board. It's like, how does that, like nothing happened. No one played any football in between those spaces. So it did seem odd to me that CJ Stroud was like, 
Neil Don to be that guy despite not really doing anything. So it'll be interesting. Are, are you like happy enough if it does end up being Bryce Young? Or, I mean, you talked about the Texans just texting it. You could end up with Anthony Richardson and blow everyone away here. This could be a real shock, right? <laughs> so, uh, to to your first question, yes, I'm I'm plenty happy with with Bryce Young, right? I I think that there's a pretty big tier cliff between Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud and the next yeah. grouping of quarterbacks. Um, for me, actually, Richardson is kind of in a tier onto himself. He's a he's head and shoulders above the rest of the sort of unwashed masses of the quarterback class. So if we take him, I think I'm a little bit more optimistic than most. Like his his accuracy or at least his completion percentage last year at, at Florida actually had a lot to do with some horrendous drops, like hit guys right in the yeah. hands and it just hit the turf. So I, I don't think that his accuracy is quite as bad as it's made out to be. He's actually a pretty solid decision maker. He doesn't take a whole lot of sacks. He keeps the chain moving, right? Like there are things that you can you can work around if you are to acquire a player such as Richardson. I feel pretty confident with not only D'Amico Ryans, but new OC Slowick coming in and being able to design an offense around a player like Richardson. Uh, Slowick is from that vaunted 2010s Washington video room that's just churning out his left and right. So I, I, I think that we'll be able to build something around him. My issue with Richardson, if we end up going there, is just opportunity cost, right? Like, yeah, I would feel pretty confident that we could secure Richardson somewhere in the picks, like 6 to 10 range, maybe even a little bit later. So if we're yeah. going to make that pick, we need to move out of two, right? Someone is going to fall in love with C.J. Stroud, with Will Anderson, with Will Levis, God forbid, and want to move up to... to- <laughs> We're all picks. So, you know, if, if we're going to make that call, kind of like we saw with Daniel Jones a few years back, right? Like, if that's your guy, great, go get him. But, like, you don't have to overpay for him. You can move out of that spot and even just get an incremental increase to your to your war chest of draft draft assets. Yeah, maybe someone's got, like, uh, shares and five bananas, right? And that's Will Levis, like, munching up all of that, getting that money and filling me absolutely. So, oh. apart, from, apart from, like, what's going to happen at a quarterback – well, what else do you think the Texans need to work on going into into next year? Yeah, you know, like I mentioned a minute ago, I I think we're we're a little bit further out than some pundits might speculate, and and no one's really saying this necessarily, but those guys that are you know suggesting that we load up on offensive skill positions, that's what a team does when it when it is within striking distance of their division title. And we're not, yeah. right? Like, even though things have been going better than expected, let's say, I think we still have some time in front of us. So for me, you know, my wish list looks very much so like a traditional rebuilding team. I really want to work inside out, both interior defensive line, interior offensive line, right? Tunsil has actually ended up being a pretty solid piece for us overall. So feel okay on the edge of our offensive line. So, yeah. you know, for, for me... I would really prefer that we 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 bolster the interior of that offensive line, give our our presumed rookie quarterback some more time in the pocket, and then try to get a bit more pass rush either with an edge rusher or some interior pressure. Yeah, I thought that was a good um, good decision. He's been out of Texas before, right, Tunsil? Uh, bringing him mm-hmm. bringing him back in, and that's a huge statement for the the new rookie quarterback that's that's going to be coming in for sure. Um, Paul, anything really to to add to that? 
Yeah, I, I was just about to say, I, I've looked at a few mock drafts. Are you, are you not keen for the the uh, CJ Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigba combo that everyone is mocking to the Texans at the moment? I mean, don't don't get me wrong. It would be super fun, right? Like, yeah. I would I would like to watch that. Um, <laughs> but you know, practically speaking, and you know, maybe the shades of the dynasty hot seat a little bit more. But you know, with with players like that, you know, you you want to be able to take full advantage of their peak performance window. And I think that we would have them a little bit too early, right? So you know, yeah. yes, I I think that makes logical sense. I do think it would help the offense overall but i think sustained success and really maximizing on the return from all these draft picks would probably call for a bit of a slower approach yeah um all right perfect thank you for all that insight eric and uh, before we move on to our next team we're going to ask you a couple of questions so two quite simple ones it is do you think the texans next year are going to improve on their 313 and one record or not and also who will the Texans MVP be next year? So we'll pitch that to you first, Eric. So three thirteen and one, I do think we are likely to improve. Probably not mm-hmm. by much. We're probably still going to end up fourth place in the AFC South. But mm-hmm. um, I would I would take the over on on three and a half wins. Probably four, maybe five. Right. Uh, again, I would I would almost rather them. You know kind of drag their feet a little bit and try to get closer yeah. to the 101 once more but you know with with the caliber of player that is available to us at the two spot I I think we're going to get someone in that can really be a stabilizing force and you know while we while we lost 13 games last year you know many of them were relatively close and in the NFL you know the the margin of victory is razor thin so if you just get someone that is stabilizing and competent in at the quarterback position, you're probably going to see some of those close games flip your way like the Texans to probably win four or five this season. And that's, that's the perfect segue to the MVP. I think whomever we draft, hopefully it's CJ Stroud at the quarterback position is ultimately going to be our, our MVP, right? We've had, you know, pedestrian quarterbacks at best in this, uh, for this team for really every year, except for the short window we had with Watson. So someone coming in that is able to effectively run an NFL offense that's able to keep plays alive. That's able to, you know, to, to move the ball down the field in, in large chunks is going to be a considerable upgrade for us. And and ultimately I think that would be who the the type of player that would get the nod. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, even if, you know, you get stride in and, and still get the first pick next year, you can just do the old lovey Smith quarterback switcheroo with, you know, Caleb Williams and CJ stride coming in and out, right. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. I would love to get Caleb Williams. Yeah. Would rather um, not have Paul, him on the roster with Stroud, but still, if we yeah. get there, we get there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Paul, what do you think about the the taxes? Are they going to improve or not? And who's going to be the MVP? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think they'll they'll win a couple more games. I think. Uh, yeah. I think they they're, they're on the right track. I think they're on the right track. To be fair, and just for the 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 purpose of the banter on the show, I'm going to say that Bryce Young is there. Is is the is the MVP? <laughs> Just because I like uh, to be different, you know. I'm tempted to, to say Anthony Richardson, though, right? That, um, I'm gonna say um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that they're gonna do better as well. I'm gonna say a guy actually. It's a bit of a hipster pick. It's probably not gonna be true, but a guy I was super impressed on the Texans last year. 
And if he continues to improve the way that he did, I think Jalen Petrie's got a real chance to shine next yeah. year. I thought he was superb in the way he was coming on. So a bit of a hipster hipster pick there, but I just don't want to say, you know, quarter, quarterback for everyone because I've got some pretty obvious ones for the next team. So I thought I'd throw in my one hipster pick for the Texans. Um, so Houston, absolutely covered. And we made it the whole way through without saying Houston, we have a problem. I mean, how, that's very yeah. impressive. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're going to move on to topic number two. A team that, you know, used to have a lot of problems, but they're, they're coming on real nicely. It's the, it's the Jacksonville Jaguars. And Paul, we're going to pitch it over to you. You're going to start off with what's been going well for the Jacksonville Jaguars, apart from, you know, Trevor Lawrence's shampoo and conditioning routine, which is top tier. <laughs> Um, so there's two words that I've got for you, and that's Doug Peterson. Yeah. Okay. That's what went well for the Jags this year. They they got rid of um, oh, I can't remember his name. I should I should have looked it up. Uh, Urban Urban Myers was it? Urban, Urban Myers. Myers? Uh, they got that's they, an Urban. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll, we'll put him in the category with uh, Watson. He should not be named, you know. Yes. Um, uh, but yeah, so they brought they brought in Doug Peterson and. Do you know what they they're just starting to click there was there were so many question marks weren't there there were so many question marks going into the season with the signing of Christian Kirk and they gave him an absolutely mm. insane contract and then they did the same with uh, Zay Jones and stuff and you were just there like what you know what are these going to do and and then when they drafted Trevor Lawrence they also drafted Travis Etienne and they were like we don't need him and and there were so many question marks leading into the last season and and I think they answered them all they answered them all. I think every every player sort of stepped up. Christian Kirk stepped up. Zay Jones stepped up. The the O line stepped up. The D line stepped up. The defensive players stepped up. You know, I think everyone stepped up. And actually, they had a, a fairly fairly decent season. They snuck into the playoffs. They almost um, they who did they almost beat? They almost beat the was it the Chargers? They almost the Chargers. And um, you know they they almost they almost beat them in the second half and you know you just you just can't can't deny them what what you're shaking your head at for well because they did beat the chargers and they went on did, did to play they? the super bowl winning Kansas City Chiefs oh, who I, were I, the I team that eliminated oh. Chad Henney went 98 yards anything is possible Patrick Mahomes on one freaking leg beat the uh, I mean we've been through this before Paul. you know what about the Chiefs 20, 22 minutes in, and he's mentioned the Kansas City Super Bowl winning team. You know, 22 <laughs> that's minutes. That's, much a re- that's a record. We got two minutes that's last That's much week, later than usual. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But, you, you, you know, they ultimately, they had they had a really, 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 really good season for what what they, you know, the question marks that they had on top of them uh, coming into this season, they they answered all their questions and they, they went to the playoffs. Yeah. I think, I think the yeah. next segment's going to be a lot worse for them, though. Ooh. Um, Eric, Eric, what do you think about the the Jags and what what do you think went well for them? You know, um, last year. Yeah, I mean, Paul Paul touched on the the majority of it, right? Like with with Urban Meyer out the building, you know, they they yeah. kind of got out of their own way, right? Like Trevor Lawrence was this you know generational quarterback prospect and had a very poor rookie season. And all of a sudden, people just thought he was closer to a bust, right? So, you know, getting him out from under the influence of Urban Meyer goes one way. But then you double down on that. You bring in a very effective 
quarterback style or quarterback friendly coach and play caller and Doug yeah. Peterson. And this, you know, this, this thing really took off. Right. So, you know, they, they have to be feeling pretty good about their, their prospects overall, um, you know, making that miraculous comeback there in, in Duval and pushing Super Bowl champion, Chad Henney all the way to the brink, right? Like they've got a low, lot of momentum um, heading into the season and in, in the off season, you know, it hasn't been, super splashy for them in terms of free agency mm. acquisition but they have been busy they've managed to hang on to a lot of those key pieces right you talk about evan ingram coming back you know a a, a sort of under the radar at the time uh acquisition of calvin ridley they're now adding him to that offense so that. you know it, it it feels like the arrow is certainly pointing up on the jaguars yeah completely agree and um, now paul you're gonna you're gonna touch on what what needs to happen next year? What What's the next step for the Jags? They made the playoffs. Like, where do they go from there? I think they've reached their limit. I, I don't think... I think they need to change a lot to that team to be able to push other teams in this AFC division, you know? I think... When when you you look you look at the Chiefs, okay, and I hate talking about the Chiefs, Max, because you, you're the biggest Chiefs prick ever. And you, you know you look at the Chiefs, and then we look at the <laughs> we look at the Bengals. You know, Hannah's Hannah's happy now because I mentioned the Bengals. And you, you know you, you look at you look at the Bills, and and you sort of think they're a long way away from where the Jags are. And, yeah. and you kind of feel that the Jags have got a lot to do. And I think, you know, they did well. They got into the playoffs and, and credit with credit to you. You can't knock them for that. But I think to go the next step, there needs to be some big changes there. Big changes. And if I'm right, uh, Evan Engram's refusing to sign the franchise tag, isn't he? Oh, I've not seen. Uh, I'm sure he's seen, wanting I, the contract. I, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure him. So there's him, Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Mm. And that have all refused to sign the franchise tag, so I don't know how that's going to play out. I thought it was good, good business putting Engram on the on the franchise tag, but if he's going to refuse to sign it, then we'll we'll see where that goes. I, I, I may be completely wrong, but it was in mm. it was in a chat earlier that uh, Engram's refused to sign that. Wow. So so no, I think I think the Jags, you know, if they keep if they keep it the way that it is now. I think they'll have a decent season next year and there's yeah. no denying it. But I just think if they to go to the, you know, Trevor Lawrence is the QB that can take them to the next level. Absolutely. I think, I think they need to build around him now in a sense that can, that, that has the ability to, to help him get them to the next level. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, actually. It, it sounds like quite harsh on the face of it, where you're saying, I think they've reached their peak, but then you realize that peak ends with, you know, a Bengals or a Bills or a Kansas City. That's how far they've got. And those are yeah. teams, like you said, they, they are quite far ahead. So it's not it's not a knock on the Jags saying they've reached their peak, because that's such a high limit to have. But they've, they've got so much more to do to be able to get over that. The hill, yeah, um, it's a, Eric, it's, Eric it's kind of a, a nuanced point, right? But like to to what Paul was getting at, this team could be measurably better this year and probably not advance any further, right? Because they have those juggernauts they have to go through in the AFC. Yeah. So they'll they'll have to they'll have to have you know players like Trevor Lawrence take a huge step forward. They'll have to plug 
uh, a couple of holes through the draft and have those guys be, you know, all pro caliber immediately if we want that time frame to be this year. But yeah, they've got the AFC has got to be so frustrating to play in if you're like a very good quarterback instead of all world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They do, but if they're playing the NFC, it'd be a very different, different story. Uh, They'd be progressing a lot further, right? I was literally about to say the same thing. If you put this team in the NFC, I feel like the work that they have to do is probably not as much. You know, yeah, they're probably not up there with the Eagles and the 49ers, but I think they, they're in the next tier down, like, you know, whereas I think yeah. if the AFC, I think they're a couple of tiers down from the, the top there, you know? Exactly. Look at his um, smug face. I didn't even mean yeah. that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and we we can't talk Jags, Eric. Without without chat, you know, everyone always brings up. You know, the Jags are like the, the the London franchise, right? They're like the London team as well. Like they always play in London. There's always talk about will the UK ever get its NFL franchise? You know, obviously we we don't have too many uh, Americans on on the Rewind show. What, what's your kind of thoughts on that? Like getting a London franchise? I heard even the possibility of two London franchises would come at once. Like, what do, what do you think about bringing it overseas to London? Yeah, I, I love the idea of advancing the game internationally in that way, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I, I think that last point that you brought up is is the one to key in on, right? Like when this happens, because I, I think it's an eventuality, I, I think it's actually most likely that we're talking about two franchises abroad, right? Maybe not yeah. both in London or, or in the UK specifically, right? Maybe one in Germany and one in London. Yeah, uh, I've, I've heard Spain, you know, kicked around, so... Ultimately, I think that this is something the NFL wants to do. I think it's good for the game to, you know, really drive that international interest. I think logistically speaking, having a second team out there makes things a lot easier to work around from yeah. a scheduling standpoint, right? You see it a lot of times with, you know, the the teams that are on the far east coast heading west, they'll have a west coast swing where they play Arizona and Seattle or they play LA yeah. and San Francisco, right? And I, I think that if you have two teams out there you'll see a lot of franchises and schedule making sort of fit that mold right i think the other thing that comes with it and this is probably something that is you know a a an underlined point of the upcoming or the next cba agreement i think we're going to see a world where not only do we expand to another regular season game but we also Mm -hmm. see a second bye week mixed in and so if that second bye week is in place and teams can play two games abroad so to speak back to back i think that that lines up really nicely for this to happen probably in the next let's say like five or six years if i had to guess yeah that'll be that'll be awesome i think you're right i think it seems to be seems to be inevitable right what do you think paul yeah it does it does and i I kind of agree with what you're saying there eric i think two teams is a much better answer than one team uh i will say this now i'm not going to support the jags if they come to london (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay with the Cardinals. You know what I mean? Oh, I'm they're stay. waiting for you. Just say yeah, yes yeah. They can't wait. They can't wait. They can't wait. You know. <laughs> hang on, hang on. D- Doug Peterson's ringing me now. <laughs> hang on. Doug. Oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. But, <laughs> but, but no, I, th- I think, I think it'd be amazing. I think um, I'm sure I've seen somewhere. <clears throat> excuse me. I'm sure I've seen somewhere that the flight from like New York to London is the same as what it is from like New York to LA. So, you know, you, you know, like you probably find that them, like what, what are they, the East coast will play against the 
the London teams more than you would find the West Coast. But mm-hmm. I, I, I think it's, you know, we, we are the same distance from New York as what LA is from New York. But yeah, everyone's going, oh, yeah, yeah, it's too far to travel and stuff like that. And, you know, I get LA to the UK is, is a long flight, but, you know, come on, guys, you, you could deal with it. It's all good. Yeah, they're they're on they're on chartered flights, nice and comfy. They have every resource in the world available to them in terms of yeah. recovery and training and adjusting. Like it's 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 kind of silly that this this time change has made as big a deal of as as it has been. Yeah, exactly. I think yeah. Hopefully, hopefully you see that soon. And before we wrap up with with the Jags, we'll we'll just pitch the same question again. Um, do we think they're going to do better or worse? And who's going to be the MVP? I'll, I'll go first with. I think they might end up doing slightly better, actually. I think they they could get to 10 wins. I think I can see that happening with this Jacksonville team. Um, I, I'm just going to go Trevor Lawrence. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be the MVP. I think him and Calvin Ridley, if they strike up a partnership, that's going to be what gets them over the edge. As good as Christian Kirk was, Christian Kirk's not Calvin Ridley. And Calvin Ridley's a tier ahead of Christian Kirk. So that might be the one that gets them over the hump to, to 10 wins. Um, Paul, what do you think? Uh, I think they're going to do worse, but not by much. I, I, I think yeah. maybe maybe it'll be sort of like a, a, an eight and a nine season or a or a seven and mm-hmm. a ten season. I don't think it's going to be. When I say worse, they're not going to be like a five five win team. I think I think it's going to be an eight team. You know, it's going to be worse than about the same eight or nine wins. Um, but yeah, it's hard to look past Trevor Lawrence as the MVP. You know, it's yeah. it's. It is. It's it's ridiculously hard. So I'm going to say Trevor Lawrence is their MVP as yeah. well. And Eric. Well, now I'm I have the burden of being boring and making it a sweep <laughs> with Trevor Lawrence. Um, yeah, because that that is the answer, right? I mean this this team goes as 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 he goes. Um, and you know to the to the former question, I I think it's a lot of what we talked about uh, a few minutes ago, right? Like I think there's room for this team to improve and ultimately end up with a very similar result, right? Winning a playoff game and, and that's it. So, you know, if, if the question is, do I think they'll win more games than nine and eight? Yeah, I, I do. Um, I mean, you, you have to, you have to consider the division they play in, right? Like the, yeah. this division played 68 games last year and they won 23 collectively. Right. So, um, and arguably, the team that they competed with uh, for the title, the the Titans that eventually went seven and 10, they're probably heading in the other direction. So I, I think that the Jaguars win this division easily, and that probably puts them closer to 10 or 11 wins. But I mean, to, you know, no matter how you slice it, you're facing a Joe Burrow or a Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen in the second round of the playoffs. And you're going to need a lot of things to go right to win that game. And I, I don't think that they will this year. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're absolutely spot on there. So let's move on. You mentioned them earlier. It's Tennessee Titans. So they finished 7-10, and 10, which, you know, not 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 bad. But we'll, we'll go through what went well for them and then, you know, the list of things that they, they need to improve on. I think for the Titans, the thing for me that stood out – and I don't know why exactly, where I think maybe most teams are, are, are like this, but I thought the Titans are exceptionally well coached. I think Mike Vrabel has done a really, really good job with, you know, what he's got there. I don't think he's working with a whole lot, really. And, you know, we'll, we'll get to some of the statistics and what they need to improve on. 
but I think he's you know really made the most of of the somewhat you know limited pieces that he's got there. I mean, what do you want to say? You, you got Derrick Henry, obviously another thousand five hundred yard season. I mean, just an absolute monster. I really like for them. They have the emergence of Chico Conquo. Looks like a lot of fun. Look, hopefully, he's not just a flash in the pan type of player, and he can kind of go on and, and continue to develop in in the NFL. They've got you know guys like like Jeffrey Simmons, who's you know year in year out, always consistent. And then the heart of this team really is the way that they're able to stop the run. That run defense is phenomenal, by far and away the best in the NFL. But kind of a double-edged sword because they were by far and away. People were like, I'm not running at these guys. And they faced passing plays by far and away the most in the NFL. So it was a bit of a double-edged sword there with people can see their strengths and go, well, Derek Henry, let's stack the box. And, oh, let's not run at them. So they're almost like all in on one side. So teams can kind of, you know, zig whenever they're they're zagging a little bit. But yeah, I think they're well coached and they've got some severe strengths in areas. But you know, we'll, we'll get to, you know, the improvements later. But that's what I see what went well for them last year. Eric, do you have anything else you really want to pitch in about the Titans? You know, I, th- I think that really covers it, right? Um, and you were you're being uh, somewhat gentle in in the way that you put it, but the the reality is that this roster has a couple of guys that are elite at their position and just yeah. a pile of like replacement level dudes. And the, the point that you made about, about Mike Vrabel is absolutely spot on, right? Like not only is he uh, you know, world-class at maximizing the the talent that he has on this roster, but he's, you know, he's really solid from a game planning and execution standpoint, right? Like week in and week out, the Titans are are going toe to toe and and oftentimes winning against teams that are just flatly more talented than them. You know they they have a formula and identity that works really well for them, and they mm-hmm. stick to that. But by the nature of that, they're kind of capped, right? You know when whenever whenever the game unfolds that they can't you know focus on stopping the run and running the ball effectively, they're they're kind of you know left with their ass in the wind so um you know Vrabel has gotten more out of this team than he really should hats off to him but I mean there's not a there's not a whole lot that you can really hang your hat on from last year um if I'm looking for something else you know Traylon Burks looks like a solid NFL prospect he battled injuries last year but when he was out on the field seemed like he was picking up the playbook and the route tree really well seemed like he was you know figuring out the timing and how to how to use his body to put himself in a winning position it's a small sample size, but you know, now that AJ Brown is gone, like to to have anybody that looks like they might mm. be capable at the receiver position is is a win for this team. So they can build off that. But this this team has a lot of question marks heading into this year for me. Yeah, I like I like you sort of said that, that I put sort of you know gently. That's because I was in the you know this went well segment. I got plenty to say about you know. <laughs> what they need to improve on and it starts with it's like hey do you guys know this is a passing league what are you doing like are you stupid like why are you like severely like plowing everything you can into blocking the run whenever it's a passing league like what are you doing this in reverse like you're putting everything in the run game when it's geared towards you know passing and then you're putting everything in a run defense whenever teams like all around you are loading up on quarterbacks and wide receivers like that is just 
bizarre decision making from from the general manager and, and the office. And you know, Mike Vrabel, we talked about it, he's making. I don't know if this is a common phrase. Brock Lesnar once said this whenever he won the UFC title. He said he's making chicken salad out of chicken shit. Oh, I don't know if that's a phrase shit. that people say. It, say <laughs> it but, or, yeah, right. Is that a Texas phrase? Maybe I'm not sure. Um, but I, I think it is. The uh, the polite way is making making lemonade out of lemons. But growing up in Texas, <laughs> I always heard it as making chicken salad out of chicken shit. Yeah. Um, these, the, yeah. The, the pass defense was like the cornerbacks not up to scratch, like you said, Eric. They're like replacement guys. Did, if I pitched you a question, both of you, um, if you had to say off the top of your head, who led the Tennessee Titans in reception or receiving yards last year? Do you think you might, you might know? No. <laughs> I feel like it should be Robert Woods. Uh, maybe Westbrook Akine. It was Robert Woods with 500 and something yards. Yeah. The lead leading receiver. Yeah, Robert Woods with 527 yards. That is got to be up like up there with all-time low like leading receiver scores and I've not done the research but you, you expect your leading receiver to be cracking 1000 yards most of the time you think, right? So to have someone just cracked 500 like that is really really poor yeah. so there are he was the guy there are several yeah. running backs throughout the league that had more receiving yardage than that right <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i mean you, you kind of touched on there you know trail on burks as as like as okay as a prospect he looked i mean i don't like the some people are still like maybe just titans fans they're still trying to be like oh the trade with aj brown that's a win-win I'm like no, that's it's larceny. Like it's an absolute robbery. I mean, the Eagles get one of the best—not even receivers—one of the best players in the NFL, and the Titans get a guy that you know went over a hundred yards once. He had a fifty-one yard reception that game. He scored one touchdown. He got knocked out scoring it. So I mean, that's not a great sign for me that he's already been you know KO'd yeah. in the league where. You don't want I mean, that if, many head trauma. If you're a if you're a poverty franchise that doesn't want to spend money, then maybe it's an okay deal for you. But you know, if 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 you're spending money like NFL front offices should be, nobody in their yeah. right mind is saying that that was a win-win transaction. Yeah, and that was my next point. It's like if they're like saying, "Oh, we can't pay AJ Brown because we got to pay other people." I'm like, who? Who are yeah, you paying, paying on that team? There's nobody to pay. So, <laughs> it, it complete disaster. Uh, on their part you know Burks may well come through and may well be a solid receiver but I would bet all the money in my pockets all the money in your pockets that AJ Brown when he's retired is a better receiver than Trevor Burks will be like absolutely um was was oh, it also was the um so all all like the analysts are all saying that uh, Traylon Burks is comp was to AJ Brown and it was like, he's most like AJ Brown. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sorry for sounding like this, but give me AJ Brown, okay? <laughs> I don't yeah. want the guy that's like AJ Brown. I want AJ Brown. And you got rid of AJ Brown to draft the guy that's like AJ Brown. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know if you have it in America, but to me, he's Wish.com's version of AJ Brown, you know? Yeah. It's... Yeah. <laughs> oh, excuse me. And that's, yeah. and that's what they got, you know? And then just on top of that, they scored an average of 17 points a game. Not once all year did they score over 30 points. And that kind of brings me all the way back to what I said at the start. How Mike Vrabel 
got that team to seven and ten, never scoring over thirty points, not having any cornerbacks or any kind of pass defense of no at all. That guy's good, and the Titans better do all they can to keep a hold of him. What do you think, Eric? Am I, am I, was that too? Yeah, harsh? I mean, I was too, I was too nice at the start. Remember? It's it, it's a it's a sore subject because. Mike Vrabel is a former Texans defensive coordinator. And Uh there was a time where there was a power struggle between Vrabel and Bill O'Brien, right? There was a point where we, we demoted uh, our, our DC to give, to give Mike Vrabel that job. He wanted more influence. He wanted more say, so he wanted to be considered for the head coaching gig. And the result of that power struggle was he was allowed to interview out. He became the Titans head coach. And that's when we gave Bill O'Brien the GM responsibility, right? So we went all yeah. in on this terrible decision when we could have had Mike Vrabel getting the absolute most out of our roster. So I'm a, I'm a huge Mike Vrabel fan. Maybe that's where the money's going, right? Like we talk about who you're going to pay, just continue to raise Mike Vrabel because yeah. he clearly deserves yeah. it. But I mean, yeah, he's he he is an absolute maximizer. Um, you know, love love the the fact that he's got a vision and that he he subscribes to it and they sell out to to execute on that. But I mean, that'll only get you so far, right? Seven and ten is not going to do it most years. No, exactly. And you know, for my for my predictions, um, oh Paul, you've got your hand and look at this. Please, yes, Paul. Please do. Can I ask a question? Paul, back. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I wanted to uh, uh, raise the point of this rumor that Derek Henry is. Uh, they're looking for to trade him away, aren't they? You know. Yeah. Uh, so I just wanted to see what you guys think. Do you think Derrick Henry is a Titan next year, or do you think that Derrick Henry is somewhere else? And if so, where? There you go. There you go. Eric, what, what, what uh, do you think of that one? I'm going to push it. I'm going to put it to the guest first. Nice. Yeah. So. Um, uh, here in Central Texas, there have been plenty of mock-ups that have the Cowboys trading for Derrick Henry for a ridiculous sum, like a second and a third that can become two seconds. <laughs> never in the history of the NFL, well, I guess not the history because it, it was a running back heavy league. Never in the last 25 years have you seen a 29-year-old running back go for one second round pick, nevertheless, potentially yeah. multiple. Um, so I, I don't think that that's necessarily going to happen, but the reason why these these things are being bantied about and are part of the discourse is that there is absolutely an undercurrent that the Titans want to get out from under this contract, right? Like, yeah. you know, all told, it's not an insane contract, four years, $50 million. But you talk about a guy that's, you know, going to be 29 playing this year. And you just look around this league, right? Like teams that have running backs that are 27, 28, 29 years old, making a considerable amount of money all of them want to get out from under that running back. Right. So, you know, he's the identity. If I had to guess, I don't think that they're going to find a trade partner that is going to give them what they believe to be requisite value for Derrick Henry. So he probably has one more season with Tennessee. And then I think he's, you know, very likely to either be moved in the off season or even potentially a cut candidate in the, in the following year. Is he even a free agent the next year? Is this the last year of his contract? It might even be. He's got an um, option at the end of this year. Let me see. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm with you, though, Eric. I think he does end up staying with the Titans just based off, you know, the trademark at the minute. I mean, you got guys like Austin Eckler looking for a trade and nothing, like not even a whisper from anybody looking interested in him. So, 
yeah, I, I don't think there's there's suitable market for it, especially not before the draft. Anyway, people are going to there's there's a lot of running backs to get through in this draft coming up, so we have to wait and see. But if I'd put money on it, I would say King Henry stays at the Titans, and I would also say for next year that, that they're going to be worse. Um, I think they're going to decrease on that on that record of seven and ten. I mean, for MVP, I did want to pick Mike Vrabel, but I mean, let's let's go Derek Derek Henry instead, right? I can't really think of anyone else. Uh, Paul, who have you got for that? Uh, I think so. Do you know what? We're we're having fun. We're having a good laugh. So I'm going to go a bit wild here, and I think they're Ooh. going to be worse. Yes, but I think the MVP is Malik Willis. <gasps> Oh, wow! <laughs> Whoa. That guy, Malik just, Willis. Just, just why not? Why not? <laughs> why not? Love, love it, um, Eric. Who, who have you got, and why is it Malik Willis? Man, I. <laughs> so let, let me just say, generally speaking, this is part of the reason why the the whole winning the last game of the year for the Texans thing wasn't completely devastating. I am always on team chaos. I just want madness yes. to unfold in this league. And so a world where Malik Willis is the MVP for the <laughs> Titans is a world that I want to live in. Yeah. Uh, realistically speaking, and it's, it's probably someone like Simmons, right? Like just the yeah. cornerstone of like what it is that they want to do and doing it at an elite level. Um, seven and 10 feels, feels so accurate for them. If the line is at seven or seven and a half for that matter, I'm probably not placing that bet. Um, realistically, they're they're probably going to come in under. I think they probably win six games. Um, yeah. They they probably don't do as well against the Jaguars. Maybe the Texans win one that they lost last year, and the Colts maybe drop that one. I mean, this AFC South is perennially wide open, right? Like the Jags are easily the class of the of the the division, but after that. You know, can they can they split series with you know with all of the teams in this division? Yes, so they're they're well on their way. But yeah, I mean the style of game that they play just doesn't it's not effective in the NFL today. So if they're ever outside of that structure, they're they're probably sunk. So I'll I'll go I'll go under. Long story short, nice. Um, all right, that brings us on. We got a couple of minutes left to cover the Indianapolis Colts. I'll quickly run through. You know what went well with them. I mean. I think they've got a real stud wide receiver. I'm a big fan of Michael Pittman Jr. I think he came in, he missed a game. He didn't quite hit that thousand yard mark, but he did miss one game. And I mean, he had, you know, no quarterback play whatsoever. He had Matt Ryan, he had Nick Foles, he had Paul Pickin, he had like anybody you could think of throwing him the ball. Like he had it and he still almost got up to a thousand yards. I think he's a really, really good talent. Other than that, I mean, the season's over, right? That's good for them. They've got a lot of cap space. They've got a lot of picks in this draft coming up. But it's a weird team. They've got... They've almost got the players that you don't want locked up, and they're missing the players that you really do want, like in the positions. Like, they don't have a quarterback. They need another wide receiver. They don't have a tight end. They don't have an edge. They don't have an O-line. Like, they're missing a lot of, like, key pieces. And for a team to go, what, two years ago allegedly having the best O-line in the game to now this disaster. I don't know what happened, but something went wrong there at the Indianapolis Colts, and they ended up at 4-12. and 12. So I don't have too much to say about what went well outside of, you know, Michael Pittman Jr., who I think is a real star. Uh, Eric, do you have much to add to, to what went well for the Colts? Um, they secured themselves an early draft pick 
I'm sure they're yep. pretty happy about that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. They managed to roll out a complete and utter clown show with um, with Jeff Saturday <laughs> as their, yeah. their interim coach. So that kept them in the media and kept them being talked about. Um, I'm sure that Ursay was happy about that. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, it was a rough year for the Colts and, and the, the point that you, you laid out was, was spot on, right? This was uh, a team and a front office that was just getting praise heaped on it about how effectively they were putting together this roster and it all came crashing down, right? You, uh, you, you bank on, on washed up quarterbacks being able to find it again for your franchise yeah. after they join in free agency. And you're, you're going to end up at this point before long. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe, you know, in a few years' time, we might have Kevin James playing Jeff Saturday as well as, you know, his already stellar <laughs> performance. <laughs> so that, that might be quite world. fun. That might Kevin be James quite is just the watch. de facto head football coach in every movie about an NFL I, team. <laughs> I would love it. Get him in a Hawaiian shirt and a mustache. He could be Andy Reid. I love it. Uh, I'll watch them all. <laughs> it's absolutely great. Um, Paul, anything really to weigh in then on, on what they need to improve on? A lot. Yeah. A lot. I, I, th- th- do you know what? I'm going to go back to what you said. I think it's really difficult because I want to say that they need to improve on their own line, but I still, like what you said, I can't understand what went so wrong. They had, you know, um, what was his name as the, as the, the old, was it, um, oh, is it Quinton Nelson? He was there. And, and you know what I mean? He, he was like phenomenal. And then it's just, it's all got a bit, bit wrong, you know. I think they, they've got a lot of good pieces there. And I think if they can draft well and yeah. put all their pieces together, they, they can be somebody that, you know, I don't think they're going to beat the Jags and win this division, but I think they, they're a step ahead of where the Texans could be. I think the right QB, the right O-line and stuff like that, they've got a phenomenal running back in uh, Jonathan Taylor. They've got a good course, wide receiver yeah. in Michael Pittman Jr. You know, um, they they put the right QB there, the right system there. They, they they're halfway there, you know. That it, it's it, it's difficult to to sort of see where they're going to be. Um, I I think that they'll get um, Anthony Richardson in in the draft. I think he's he's more than likely going to go there. The Cardinals are not going to take a QB, you know, unless somebody trades up and pays the Cardinals a lot to come and get that third picker. I, I can't see I can't see anyone else taking it. I, I think he'll go there. I I don't want Anthony Richardson to go to the Colts. I really don't. I want him to go to the Lions because I'm a big fan of him. And over here, the Wildcard Rewind, we are uh, closet Lions fans. That's yes. all we seem to talk about is the Lions and how much we love the Lions. So I want Anthony Richardson to go there. And I I promised in my Max that I will wear a Rick, Anthony Richardson jersey for Week One if he goes to the Lions. I really, yeah. I really want him to go to Wait, the Lions. Wait, question, question, question. If Richardson goes to the Lions and the Lions relocate to London, are you a Lions fan? Oh, Ooh. yeah. Sign me up. Sign me up. <laughs> I'll, take, I'll, take, I'll take it off. I'll take it off. Come on the bird. Come on the bird. Wow. But, London Lions as well. He got the alliteration. Oh, oh, man. 
says no to that. We'll, cha- no. we'll, yeah. we'll, cha- we'll change the podcast to the Wildcard Lions Den, you know? Oh. <laughs> oh, man, it'll just be everything. You know, we'll have flags, we'll have everything. Yeah. But, but in, in all seriousness, um, I do think Anthony Richardson does go to the Colts as yeah. much as I dream him to go to the Lions. Uh, I do think he goes to the Colts. And I think with his rushing ability and what Jonathan Taylor can do, if they can build that system around them too, I think they could be a really dangerous team within the next sort of two years. I really do. Yeah, I completely agree. And that's, that's why, you know, my, my prediction, I've got them doing better. I've got Jonathan Taylor, you know, having more of a resurgent year, hopefully staying healthy. And yeah, if it is Anthony Richardson, him in that Shane Steichen offense, you know, he did so well, obviously with Jalen Hurts, Anthony Richardson, like say whatever you want, as good an athlete as Jalen Hurts is, Anthony Richardson is a complete freak. He's like an alien. He's like one of those modern stars in Space Jam, right? He's just like complete animal. So him plus Shane Steichen and the ideas he's got from working with Jalen Hurts, that could be really interesting. Mixing Jonathan Taylor, a play action gold right there. So that would be awesome, awesome to see. So I think they'll do better. Um, I still go for Michael Pittman as the MVP because he's my guy. I'm just going to rep my guy. That, that's all. Uh, Eric, what do you think? What's your prediction? Uh, yes, categorically, I think they will be better than four and twelve. Right? Um, uh, again, we've we've talked about the woes of this division long enough. Um, I, I think they'll be they'll be right there in the mix to win. Uh, you know, plenty of division games and a a stabilizing force at quarterback goes a long way. The only thing that I'm worried about in in this prediction of more than four wins. I think the Colts might like Will Levis. And if they draft him at four, things are going to go very, very don't, bad for them. Don't tease me. Don't tease me, Eric. <laughs> don't tease me. Um, so, yeah, assuming that it is uh, Anthony Richardson or maybe things get you know real wacky and uh, Bryce Young or CJ Stroud yep. falls to them, um, I do think that they're likely to get a stabilizing force. Because there's so much uncertainty at, at four overall, I'm going to go with Shane Steichen. Um, he really impressed me in his tenure as the Eagles OC. I think yep. if they end up with Richardson, he is exactly the type of coach that can maximize that type of player. So yep. presuming that we see Richardson, even if not, I, I think I, I talked about the clown show at, uh, at, at their, their coaching position a moment ago. I, I think Sykin really brings them, yeah. uh, you know, a, a level headedness, a stability and a, you know, an eye for a modern NFL offense. Yeah, completely agree. And Paul, uh, last prediction of the show. What do you got? Uh, I think they do better, and I think it's Jonathan Taylor. I think he bounces back. Nice. Sounds good to me. So that brings us to the end of the show. Eric just wanted to say thank you so much for coming on and joining us on the Wildcard Rewind. Just want to remind everyone where they can find you online. Yeah, at Fantasy Nav on Twitter is where all of it lives. Uh, my written work's at drrodo.com and footballdiehards.com. Uh, on YouTube, you can check us out, Green Screens Media. We are doing our college basketball off-season tour, so we're interviewing a bunch of coaches, players, beat reporters. We're doing the, uh, the Great American Road Trip, working west to east, so trying to fit in about 50 or 60 interviews this off-season. So we'll be plenty busy but all of it rolls up into my Twitter, which is at Fantasy Nav. Awesome. That is brilliant. So from me and from Paul, that is the end of our divisional breakdowns. We'll see you next week. We're going to be talking a preview of the NFL draft. Can't wait. See you there. Bye. 